Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and I want to thank you for being here, being a proactive parent, getting the resources that you need to help your child gain their optimum level of recovery. And as you know, uh, when my son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies and good luck. We would just be managing his symptoms the rest of his life. But like you, I fortunately did not give up and I didn't want to just drug him and turn him into a zombie and not find out what, what was really causing his symptoms. I wanted to find the causes and I wanted to recover him naturally because my background in holistic health told me that the body could recover from anything if the toxins were out of the way and it had the support it needed. So I began my years of research and now 14 years later today, my son is fully recovered. And so I share the resources I have with you so that you can get your child to their absolute optimum level of recovery, whatever that may be for them. And I've put this all together in a free online workshop for you so that you can understand the four stages that really do need to all be taken care of in order to reach that optimum level because it's much more than diet. And, and of course, diet is very, very important. And the first stage is healing the gut. But then stage two is natural heavy metal detoxification. Stage three is clearing the co-infections of things like mold and Lyme and strep. And then stage four is brain support and repair. Once all the inflammation is reduced and the toxins have, have, uh, have also been reduced, then the brain is able to function more uh, more appropriately and, uh, and and at its optimum. And so you want to be able to boost it up with anything natural that you can. And there's some good things that you can do for it at that time. So you can get this free workshop where I walk through all of this and explain it in, in a more detail for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. And that's available to you now. And please share it with anybody you know who might also be interested in this information because now with one in 59 kids being diagnosed with autism, there are a lot of parents out there like you and I who have searched for the answers and I have found them and now I just want to be able to give them to those in need. So please, please share. I appreciate it and share this show with others. And I think that has been happening. We uh, uh, are today the number one show on the entire network. We have risen to that point. I am happy to say and I'm thrilled that so many people are tuning in weekly and then also listening to us in the archives, which are available for you as well. Uh, to know at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash radio show. Within 48 hours after show airs, there will always be the archives available for you. And I link to uh, every episode has show notes so that if you're driving your car or out on your morning walk or busy, you know, doing the dishes or whatever while you're listening to the show, you don't have to scramble for a pen and paper. Uh, I give it a, a simple link. And this one will be naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 61 because this is show number 61. So again, thank you for being here today. And uh, today we have a, a special topic that I think will be really, really um, helpful to every parent listening and because we're going to go through some special detoxification scenarios. So Sometimes you might find that you're doing a lot of detoxification work and, and you're doing things that you think are, are right and you mysteriously your, your child is not getting better. And there can be some various reasons why that might be happening. So we have Dr. Jody DeShore on with us today as our guest. And Dr. DeShore and I will be going through um, some of these 
these aspects of these special detox scenarios and why your child might be not getting better and what underlying aspects might be there to look for. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background with Dr. Deshore. Uh, if you haven't um, uh, heard her on before, she's been a guest a, a few times. We've talked about the comorbid symptoms in the past, which are things like mold and Lyme and strep. And we'll talk a little bit about that today too, but we're going to go further into some other um, pieces that I think will be very inf- informational for you. Dr. Jody Deshore is an internationally recognized pioneering clinician in the all-natural plant-based treatment of autism, Lyme's disease, mold, biotoxin illness, PANS and PANDAS, nutrigenomics, and autoimmune illnesses. She works with children and adults in over 49 countries around the world. Dr. Deshore is a board-certified doctor of occupational therapy, neurology with a postdoctoral specialization in neurosensory. She's board-certified as a holistic health practitioner and board-certified in integrative pediatrics. Her past training abroad includes specialization in pediatric neurology and multiple naturopathic disciplines in Bombay, the UK, and the US. Dr. DeShore is currently pursuing her PhD in board certification in integrative medicine with a special interest in quantum physics. Dr. Jody is the founder of and director of BioNexus Health Clinic in Marlboro, New Jersey, a center dedicated to plant-based and all-natural treatment methods. Welcome, Dr. DeShore, and thank you so much for being here with us again. I greatly appreciate your time and your expertise. My pleasure, Karen. Thanks for having me. Um, just wanted to update you and your listeners a little bit that I a couple months ago, I did complete my PhD in uh, integrative medicine and uh, Coincidentally, my thesis was uh, herbal medicine and uh, quantum bio and physics for autism. So that that was, you know, two and a half years in the making. It was wonderfully received. The thesis defense went well. So just wanted to update you a bit on that. Okay, that's good to know. And and that you do specialize in autism, which is helpful for our listeners to know as well. Right, right. So. Uh, after this, I, I wanted to mention, you know, exactly as you said, that uh, just like you were told to use, you know, medications and drugs for your son, and as was I, as you know, uh, what's happening is it's not just us. There are many, many parents out there that are given that advice, and unfortunately, due to lack of uh, additional information, they do go for that, especially what you and I have spoken about, you know, Lyme disease, co-infections, I do get quite a few kids who come in uh, having done antibiotics. Uh, I I get a lot of children on the spectrum that come in having done antifungals and antibiotics. And also I I see a few kids that come in, you know, uh, with anti-epileptic medication with uh, antacids with antidepressants. So I'm, I'm sure you, you've seen this in your practice as well. Yes, it's unfortunate when, um, and you always hear from a parent, they, you know, once they had to, never took some antibiotics, then they noticed that afterwards their child got much worse, they regressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, what happens is uh, there have been, you know, um, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of research about Uh, nutritional deficiencies, immune deficiencies in children with autism. But uh, today I would like to focus a little bit on, you know, things that are not highlighted 
in your typical appointment when, when you go to the pediatrician if you have a child on the spectrum, and especially if, if the child is, um, uh, is on all of these medications for whatever reason, for comorbid or you know, behavioral issues, for neuropsychiatric issues, because the underlying issues have not been looked at. So we'll, we'll talk about that and why, in spite of all of these medications, you know, is the child getting worse or not getting better? Uh, what, what, is, uh, what are the scenarios where um, you know, this uh, uh, lack of progress in your child uh, and, where, that's, uh, and that's what I think the, every parent sorry, wants to know is why why their child isn't getting better if they're they're doing all of these efforts and there are these underlying issues and I, I have found most people have uh, some of these comorbids especially their 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 doctor or, or whoever they were seeing their practitioners didn't even know about them so um, we're going to take a short break right here but when we come back we'll jump right back into this and um, and give you some of that explanation about that you're listening to naturally recovering autism I'm your host Karen Thomas stay with us we'll be right back have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better after 13 years of research Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally she now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child the definition of recovery is to regain health Karen offers this to you in four stages healing the gut natural heavy metal detoxification balancing the co-infections of autism brain support and repair Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about special detoxification scenarios and why your child might not be getting better, even though you might have put out a lot of effort for the recovery and, and there are some underlying reasons as to why. Today we have Dr. Jody Deshore with us and uh, before the break we were just starting to talk a little bit about some of those underlying issues. So Dr. Deshore, why don't you just start where we left off there because I'm sure a lot of parents are uh, eager to hear what you have to say. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, and sorry about that. You know, you and I both have so much experience that that you know we have we have a lot of information out there. Um, okay. Um, so what some some of the the most common medications, as I mentioned earlier, and um, you know, it's really surprising that 80 to 90 percent of the parents that come to me uh, having had to put their child on these medications for various reasons. You know, there's, we don't really want to get into that. Sometimes there really isn't a choice because of, uh, like, you know, lack of other choices. So, for example, uh, people who are on acid-suppressing drugs and tacids, you know, uh, these, uh, these are called as drug-induced nutrient deficiencies. So it's literally drug-induced, and we shall look briefly as, you know, a couple categories of drugs that can cause uh, depletions in the body, which often go unnoticed, and they end up uh, blocking progress, blocking detoxification, and blocking wellness. So acid-suppressing drugs and tacids, they can deplete the body of calcium, folic acid, iron, 
vitamin B12 and vitamin D. Uh, the, the other category, which would be the proton pump inhibitors, they deplete the body of the extremely important magnesium and also B12. Um, many kids with Lyme and autism, they are sometimes, they, they do end up on antibiotics and uh, antibiotics will deplete calcium, magnesium, potassium, certain B vitamins like B1, B2, B3, B5, uh, you know, B9, B12, and also vitamin K. That, that is just a couple examples there. So as you can see, uh, these deficiencies often go unnoticed. Now, one other thing that happens with uh, uh, kids on medications is Often parents try to listen to lectures, to watch expert videos, and, and you know, they want to add some naturopathic uh, treatments like herbals, et cetera, in there. But sometimes, uh, you know, uh, inadequate information can be, can be quite dangerous because uh, immune-boosting supplements like golden seal and ginger when you give these to children, for example, who are uh, doing acid-suppressing medications or antacids, now they actually, golden seal and ginger can inadvertently, uh, actually not even inadvertently, they directly increase uh, stomach acid and they interfere with the medication. You, you might have a physician who thinks that the medications are not working, increase the dosage. So you see what I'm saying? So it, it, it can go... Um, it can go the wrong way. What, once again, you know, green tea is recommended by many herbalists, green tea extracts, et cetera, but those cannot be, um, it cannot be used when you have a child who is seeing a gastroenterologist or doing an, any kind of GI treatment, especially antacid. So it, it becomes important to have a knowledgeable practitioner or at least, you know, try and understand uh, what what the full picture is before trying to uh, combine different treatments because we know most parents are just trying to help their child get better faster. Right. And many get desperate, so they don't you know they don't know what to do. And of course, the doctor says, "Well, let's give them this," and they're like, "They don't know what else to do." So they're like, "Okay," and especially you know you mentioned antacids. I have. Parents in my program write in a lot. I hear about the, you know, the acid backup and GERD and what do I do? And, you know, the doctor, they've, they've said, my, my, my child's been put on some antiacids. Do you have any other ideas? And so I tell them. But um, so, so this is really common, too. And the reason that some of the reasons that they're, they're getting this acid backup in the, in the first place is, you know, something else to work with in the GI tract. So, um, so, yeah, learning the full picture about what's going on prior, but also the knowledge that you just mentioned about how these can, can block detoxification or de deplete our body of, of really essential vitamins and minerals, too. So um, what, else, what else do you have to say about um, what a parent needs to know, maybe when they're at a doctor or, or about, about some of these medications? Well, a couple more. I, I'm happy to give you a couple more examples that come to mind right away because, uh, you know, a, a lot of children that go to a special schools, have an IEP, they're often on ADHD or ADD medications, which will often require uh, antihypertensives or blood pressure medication to keep them stable. You know, like you, you start with one medication for the side effects, you need something else. Now, these medications will deplete zinc. 
they, they also deplete potassium. Uh, one needs to be careful to supplement with, um, with, with you know, CoQ10, things like that. Now, uh, one, one unfortunate thing that I've, I've noticed is anxiety medication is on the rise. That uh, most bendo, uh, sorry, benzodiazepines or anxiety medications that are most commonly used will deplete calcium, often uh, vitamin D. I have some teenage uh, girls with autism that have also been exposed to mold and have biotoxin illness and um, SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. They, uh, due to endocrine issues, uh, which are brought about both by mold as well as underlying Lyme disease and co-infections, they, they can develop PCOS, right, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And one of the treatments for that is birth control, birth control pills. But what many of them are not told that these medications will deplete the very important folic acid, magnesium, and B6. And often I find that, that you know, these kids are not doing the essential minerals, the magnesium that is required. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go into that. You know, second thing would be, um, would be to make sure that while you're at the pediatrician, some pediatricians will do this. You know, they, they run uh, basic labs your um, complete blood count, your metabolic panel, your uh, lipid panel, just basic thyroid, basic iron. Now, often for a knowledgeable practitioner, those basic um, labs are a treasure trove of clues to see what's going on um, underneath and as to, you know, why is this child not getting better? Now, practitioners like you and I, you know, who see children who are very chronic with comorbid issues, we often get them at really critical stages, don't we? Like, you know, we have parents that have tried everything and, and you have children who are not getting better. So they say, you know, what else can we do? And I, uh, I just remember the other day, I had someone send me their initial patient paperwork I'm telling you, Karen, it was 14 pounds of labs. Um, you know, so you, you know they've tried everything. And thankfully, or luckily, I should say, they had some basic labs that the pediatrician and the gastroenterologist and the various specialists that they had seen had done. And when we come, uh, and when we come back, I, uh, you know, I, I would like to give some examples as to how to spot these clues in these basic labs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I recently interviewed Dr. Richard Bowles, who's a genetic expert, and he was talking about how important it is to have these uh, these lab results read correctly by somebody who knows how to read them. So a lot of things can be missed. We're going to take a really short break right here. Uh, you're listening to Naturally Recovering. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking about special detoxification scenarios and why you might be doing a lot of really good work with your child, but they're just not getting better and you can't figure out why. And that is when a lot of uh, parents come to me and to Dr. Deshore as well because they're thinking, well, what else can I do? And that is really where we come in with knowing the steps further. And before this last break, Dr. Deshore, you were talking about some labs that maybe people have had a lot of lab work done in the past, but perhaps those labs were not read properly by somebody who is skilled enough to know what some of the things meant. So uh, why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, lab work, things to look for, uh, et cetera. 
Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. Now, one of the scenarios that you uh, mentioned to me not too long ago was you had a, um, a, a patient who was uh, a, a child uh, whose mom told you that he is really not gaining weight, he's very skinny, but he's always eating, he's always hungry. Uh, what what seems to be going on and and you know it, it seemed to be a mystery and and mom couldn't couldn't figure out uh, what was going on so if you know I think I'm going to take that scenario and kind of expand on that a little bit but so let me let me start with um, what what I'm I'm going to touch on is Lyme and parasites and co-infections uh, let's let's start with Lyme disease, right? We we've had several um, uh, we've had several interviews, you and I, uh, several shows with with respect to comorbid infections. And one of the things that we've mentioned is uh, Lyme is immune suppressing. Now, Lyme disease will suppress your immune system, and often we don't get a real picture, as far as labs are concerned, of what's really going on underneath. So it's important to pay attention to the little clues about the underlying physiological and biochemical ups and downs in, uh, in basic blood work. Lyme testing uh, and what tests are good for Lyme, how to read those, that, that is probably uh, a topic all in itself, all by itself. But what, what I wanted to touch base on is uh, one of the co-infections of Lyme is Babesia. Now, Babesia is, is a parasite. Then... One of the co-infections of Lyme is mycoplasma pneumonia, which I often see in my practice. In fact, uh, before I speak about mycoplasma, let me just touch base a, a little bit about uh, the Lyme test, which is the Western blot. The Western blot gives us uh, you know, several uh, bands. Now, the, the most important bands that seem to be that what I see in my practice are um, Band 31, band 34, 41, and 39. The, the clue about band 31 and 34 is what I've learned is if they show up together, IgM or IgG, if they show up together, it usually means there has been a reactivation of Lyme or a reacquisition of Lyme through any insect um, in the last 12 to 18 months, so one, one and a half years from the time that you took the lab, you know, that's, that's when you have been, it's been reactivated or reintroduced in your body, you know, through insect bites. Um, it's not just tick bite. I, I hope, you know, people understand that by now, that it can be uh, ticks, it can be chiggers, it can be bed bugs, it can also be horse lice, sand fleas. There are various vectors that transmit uh, Lyme and co-infection. Um, then we, so that's about band 31 and 34, right? Reacquisition, reactivation. Then we look at band 39 in your uh, Lyme Western blood. Band 39 typically means that Lyme disease has a potential um, to either increase an existing autoimmune condition or to start, like kind of to initiate some kind of an autoimmune process in the body. Uh, band 41. 41 is often dismissed as a cross-reactive band. And in my practice, I can't speak for anyone else, but 
you know, in my practice, what I've seen is 100% of the time I see band 41, especially in children with autism who already have an immune dysfunction. dysfunction. Uh, and immune dysfunction in autism is uh, widely documented. So um, if they have band 41 showing up on their Western blot, I typically see a lot of high IgG titers for viruses, uh, mycoplasma, uh, pneumonia, chlamydia pneumonia, often parvovirus, uh, HHV6, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr, uh, sometimes toxoplasmosis. Uh, I will also see the kids who are uh, tested for ASO, which is the strep antibody, and it comes up negative, but when I test for the anti-DNAs, which is the IgG version or the past infection version, that shows up high. So. You know, so you see, it, it, it is somewhat complicated, but it, it is not for an average parent to understand, but I really hope that the practitioners that these families are visiting are able to explain the in-depth testing and address the nutrient deficiencies and look at what's going on between the lines. And then being careful not to just put a bunch of, you know, poor supplements in to try and take care of it. You've got to make sure what you're taking is quality, that it's replenishing what you need. But but ultimately, again, we're going back to the cause. Like you've, you've got to properly properly be working with, uh, with, with Lyme and mycoplasma and strep and the mold biotoxin issues. Those, those co-infections are all so important to really get to at their core to really, uh, to really work with so that the body can recover because these, these infections are, are pretty extreme. And I, I, it's getting close to a hundred percent of children with autism. They're saying are having Lyme's disease and yeah, we can even get it from mom in utero or it's passed through breast milk. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important for a parent to know as well. Their baby could actually be born with it and they don't even realize it. That is true. And Lyme is also sexually transmitted. That is another thing that is not put out there. I mean, Lyme disease has been, uh, the Lyme disease bacteria have been um, isolated from semen. And often I'll find that it would be dad who has been exposed, you know, the outdoorsy type, has had multiple tick bites. His immune system handled it, passed on to mom. Mom got infected and she passed it to the child, um, passed it to the child in utero. Um, so, I, I was relating this back to the patient that you had who wasn't gaining weight, eating all day. Um, mycoplasma is a cell wall deficient organism that is unable to manufacture its own food. So it, it, it uh, depletes nutrients in the body as well. You know, it's not just the parasites. Okay, you know we're going to take a short break right here, but maybe we'll 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 add on a little bit more about that when we come back because this is a big issue where kids might be eating a lot and they're just not getting weight or they're they're not getting the nutrition from their food. So we're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about special detoxification scenarios with Dr. Jody Deshore. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about the infection called mycoplasma. And this is when you might notice your child has a lot of uh, respiratory issues. It really affects the respiratory system a lot. Um, but uh, it's a bacteria. And it, right before the break, we were talking about how it can't make its own food. 
so it takes it from the the host's body. So if your child has a mycoplasma infection, then the, um, the these bacteria can be stealing and robbing them of the nutrition. So Dr. Deshore, why don't you maybe just, um, you know, elaborate on that just a little bit um, if you have something more to add to it? Yes, of course, yes. Now, uh, one thing that I, I mentioned in the past segment was Lyme being immune suppressing. So often in the labs, I don't see a lot of IgM. IgM typically in blood work means it is an active infection, and IgG means it is a, a, a past infection. Now, that is the common knowledge. Now, what many fail to realize that very high IgG is usually supposed to be looked at as a chronic ongoing infection. And keeping in mind that Lyme is immune suppressing, often we don't see IgM because, I mean, of course, IgM is an immunoglobulin. The Ig stands for immunoglobulin M, and IgG is immunoglobulin G. So also IgM production can be suppressed. Uh, last year, I believe, uh, 2018, early 2018, there, there were a couple uh, clinical studies that came out that showed that mycoplasma is so immune deficient that mycoplasma will also suppress the IgM. So when you have children who have both, you know, uh, Lyme disease co-infections and mycoplasma as one of the uh, one of the comorbid issues, it becomes difficult to see a whole lot of IgMs. You know, and keep in mind, you always need to keep the big picture in mind. We are, we are speaking about a child with autism, and immune dysfunction in children with autism is vastly documented. For a very long time, there's a lot of information out there in a research studies which, which gave a lot of information about this. So you already have an, an, immune, comp, uh, an immune compromised child, and then you are introducing uh, infections like Lyme and mycoplasma, uh, into this little body, and so this is what happens. The IgM can often be suppressed. Um, so I will uh, see viral titers, like I mentioned, with you know Epstein-Barr and cytomegalo and chlamydia pneumonia and mycoplasma pneumonia, parvovirus, intestinal parasites. These will show up as high IgG titers. So we are speaking Lyme disease, mycoplasma, band 41, 39, 31, and 34 on the Western blot. And then you are slowly forming that algorithm for this child because everybody is biologically different. You know, the, the more customized you do it for the child, uh, uh, meaning that the more customized the approach, the better and faster is the recovery. That is why I'm, I'm going into you know, a little bit of, um, uh, of additional detail here. So when, when we have children with all of these issues going on, then it becomes important to see what are the physiological and biochemical deficiencies that these infections have brought in the body. Is that, you know, am, uh, am I uh, answering your question? Am I on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, basically, okay. we're seeing too. It's not just one thing. There, there are multiple infections. There are viruses. There are bacteria, and um, and and we talked about mycoplasma in the very beginning here of this segment, where you know, if it can't make its own food, a child might be eating and eating and eating, but they're not uh, they're not 
absorbing any of the nutrition from the food they eat. So they're getting skinnier and skinnier. And basically their body is starving for nutrition and so is their brain. And that's where you see not only the, the physical symptoms of ill health and the immune system issues, but you also see the behavioral issues. And those can be everything that is on the the autism spectrum. So, um, so again, we're, yeah, we're, it's, it's about seeing all of these, understanding the underlying issues that are here and making sure that they're getting worked with properly. So yeah, go on. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very interesting information. Okay. So we'll stick with the, with the lab since, um, since we are, uh, you know, on a roll with that. So intestinal parasites, uh, simple clues to look for would be in your uh, basic blood work would be uh, high eosinophils, uh, high or normal basophils. You will see high or normal monocytes, high IgE. Often the stool samples can be positive, but that, that's kind of difficult. So you look at these other clues. Now on the low side, you'll see low iron or you know, low or um, uh, low normal kind of iron. You'll see low hemoglobin. So these, these are some of the clues that we can see uh, and understand that, that there is you know, a nutritional deficiency going on. Now leaky gut, gut issues. You, you'll see high uric acid, you'll see high alkaline phosphatase, if there is malabsorption, um, the BUN will be low, the GGTP is low. So these are the malabsorption and uh, gut issues which are seen as clues in your basic blood work, uh, which, which can give you additional information. Now, when there is uh, weight gain issues, other than parasites and you know things like mycoplasma and other infections, uh, utilizing your nutrients and resources. Now keep in mind, many of the kids I see are so infected and so loaded with uh, bacterial, viral, parasitic, uh, mold toxins. There, there is you know the body is spending a lot of energy just trying to survive, and if on top of this, if you introduce medications, then there is additionally, there is the drug-induced nutrient deficiency. So it is very important to look at uh, and supplement uh, these kids with trace and essential minerals, things like a very important nutrient is magnesium. Then there are the uh, B vitamins, uh, vitamin D, uh, you know, look look at sulfur and phenol issues. Look at the PSD sulfation pathway. Look at the methylation pathway. So this this is an individualized. Uh, I know I keep saying that, but you know I I, I can't uh, stress that enough that it is an individualized approach, and many people will. Uh, try to uh, help their children with self-help, that is great. You know, if, if they have a program like yours, which is an enormous amount of guidance provided, that, that's great. But if you're going on Facebook and, and you're in groups and, and you're, you know, just, just taking the advice of another parent, just keep in mind it may or may not be applicable, uh, be applicable to, to your child. I mean, um, 
vitamin B1 thiamine is closely associated with appetite. And we can discuss this a little bit more, I guess, in, in the next segment. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. We're going to take a really short little break right here, and uh, we'll continue with this. When we come back, you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about uh, the the special detoxification scenarios that can come up and the underlying issues why a child might not be getting better and despite your 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 strong efforts and so before the break we were talking about how again this is very individualized there are no two children that are exactly the same everybody's got a little bit you know something different going on mentioned some of the the vitamins and the minerals that can be helpful and then Dr. Shore you were just talking about how B1 thiamine is great for um, assisting appetite. And and I know I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about the differentiation between uh, the the need, you know, the anemia issue and, um, you know, maybe talking about anemia a little bit because there, there's a lot of that going on too. But I, I see uh, when parents come to me, they've often been misled with information and they're loading their kids up with these iron supplements and then there are some downsides to that. So um, if we could talk about that briefly as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, there is so much information. Like when, when I first, like, you know, over a decade ago, when I started just looking at nutrients, like, for example, magnesium, there's so many different forms. The malate, the threonate, the citrate, the glycinate, orotate, oxide, aspartate, what mm-hmm. else? What did I forget? Chlorate, chloride, sulfate, you know, these are all different kinds of magnesiums. And, um, you know, some people do know that, for example, magnesium threonate, crosses the blood-brain barrier, it's great for the brain, but that doesn't mean, you know, it's great for the body. So you have to add another kind of magnesium. Uh, don't go for magnesium oxide, for example, because that is usually used for constipation and it can, you know, really uh, make you go. Then uh, there is magnesium glycinate, which was in the middle was like, oh, this is the greatest version. But then it, we found that children with, uh, with within a glutamate issues, do not tolerate magnesium glycinate. So that's one example. Now, speaking of thiamine, yes, thiamine is uh, uh, vitamin B1. And the TPP, right, the thiamine pyrophosphate is the active form of thiamine. And it's involved in several metabolic enzyme functions. So, you know, um, when you hear the word metabolism and you hear the word enzymes, it's it relates to digestion and nutrition. And um, what happens when there is a B1 deficiency, it affects the autonomic nervous system, right? Uh, the, the autonomic nervous system reminds us of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. So if you have someone in the sympathetic overdrive um, and you have the vagus pathways, which are not working well, vagus is your the, the main uh, nerve or your parasympathetic nervous system, which is, you know, rest and digest. That is the function of the parasympathetic nervous system. So if there is an imbalance in the autonomic nervous system, it automatically affects appetite. And one of the huge uh, reasons for this can be a B1 deficiency or a high need. You know, maybe a child is not technically deficient, but when you see things like, like you mentioned, you know, low appetite, not gaining weight, co-infections, then you just know that uh, uh, B1 becomes important. Now, certain foods, it's important to remember, 
contain what are called as anti-thiamine factors, which oxidize thiamine, and, and, and then it just becomes inactive. So, you know, things like tea, coffee, um, in, in certain cultures, like uh, it's, uh, uh, there is a, a plant called as betel, right? So betel leaves and betel nuts, uh, for example, have all been associated with thiamine uh, deficiency, mycotoxins, mold toxins, and certain foods high in mold, like blue cheese, uh, like, you know, aged, um, aged and fermented products. So these can have a similar effect. They also are high in anti-thiamine factors. In addition, yeah, in addition, growth spurts, babesia, stress, chronic illness, some viruses, mm, uh, and you know what? High-carbohydrate diets can also deplete thiamine. So you, you can see that thiamine is closely connected to appetite and weight gain. Um, I don't really recommend uh, a straight-up multivitamin because most children cannot, um, cannot handle that. It, it is best to work your way up you know, with trace minerals, essential minerals, magnesium, uh, your, your basic B vitamins, really, really low dose B vitamins. And then in the morning, for example, and then in the evening, add like uh, a, a small dose of B1, B2, B6. That seems to work well for most of my patients. Now, uh, you know, B6 and B2 have their own story. B6 is extremely important because it is involved, uh, involved in a wide variety of physiologic processes, especially neurotransmitters. So that is something we, we could perhaps talk about in, um, in the future, but yeah. Now, you, you mentioned um, sulfur and phenols. Uh, often yeast issues and phenol issues can be very similar. And uh, once again, you know, at, at a future date, we can discuss a little bit more. Now, the, the phenol metabolism, sulfation and detoxification issues are quite complex. I mean, the enzyme involved in phenol sulfur transferase, the PST pathway, um, it's the, the PST pathway itself is necessary for breakdown and removal of several toxins like uh, you know, salicylates and artificial food colorings and artificial flavoring, some preservatives. Uh, and some people who have low or no ability to convert compounds to sulfate have problems handling environmental toxins and chemicals and medications. So that is the, uh, the importance of sulfur and phenols and uh, PST pathway. And that could be a major reason why a, a child on the spectrum is not moving forward in spite of a lot of effort. Yeah, and that is really important. I will uh, link to an interview I did with Dr. Stephanie Seneff on sulfation in particular that we really dive mm -hmm. deep into it uh, for, for, uh, if, for anyone listening if you're wanting some further information because sulfation is a big part of, of a need for children and autism and for you to understand. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. And, um, and so I was also wondering too, when you give uh, B6 in the evening, you don't find that it B1, 2, or 6, any of the Bs, because sometimes they can give some energy. You don't find that any, any the children are having any uh, disruption in sleep from that it, get being given those later in the day? That's true. Yes. It's, it's not to be given after school. No. I mean, I guess, you know, immediately after school, 
it depends on on the bedtime as long as it is five to six hours away from bedtime it seems to work now you 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 mentioned about anemia and the, uh, i'll just say one sentence is that it's important to understand when it is just iron deficiency and when it is iron deficiency plus b12 and folate deficiency it's very important and and you know maybe one day we we can speak about the lab markers yeah, and B12 is a big other issue with methylation uh, as well. And I can link to a, an interview I did on methylation too, but there's so much more information that, yeah, that might be a good one for us to talk or have a whole episode about in the future. We're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. You're listening to uh, Dr. DeShore and I are, have been talking about special detoxification scenarios and we've just given you a lot of information in this episode and we're aware of that. This has really been fabulous and thank you, Dr. DeShore, for being here with us and, and sharing all of this. And there's so much more that you know we will perhaps take some of these pieces that we talked about in this episode and make an entire show out of one piece and, and, and uh, of other pieces of it because there's a lot of incredible value here for you to know as a parent. But the bottom line is to know that every child is individualized. Uh, make sure your labs are being read by somebody who is clear about how to read them and what's going on and that you're getting the proper assistance in how to work with these co-infections because a lot of people are just dosing you up with more, uh, you know, more drugs and more things like that um, and uh, more antibiotics and, and that's not always effective. So you have to know that you're working with somebody who is who is knowledgeable in these these uh, co-infections as well. And so, uh, Dr. DeShore, um, I know that we just have a little bit of time left. And um, one thing I wanted to just briefly touch on, and we'll have to be brief, but it I just, just dawned on me that the iron and anemia deficiency, a lot of parents are being told to take a lot of iron and they're, they're dosing mm -hmm. up when they find their child's anemic. So if we could just touch on that, and then I know you have a book coming out very, very soon. So maybe you could give us some information on that as well. And just so I make sure I give you the show notes, and don't forget today, um, the, the links to everything will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 61, just the number 61. So Dr. DeShore, um, yeah, briefly you could just talk about a little bit about that anemia and iron issue, and then tell us about your book. Yes, of course. Now, if there is an iron deficiency and your uh, pediatrician has run um, basic labs, you see that there usually um, 
uh, uh, the highs that you will see, right? There's going to be a high um, total iron binding capacity, more than 350. So TIBC, they will you'll see a high transferrin level. Now, if there is a low stomach acid or, you know, they're having digestive issues, then you'll also see a high uh, level of globulin. Uh, whereas on the low side, again, for the iron deficiency anemia, you, you literally see a low uh, serum iron is low. Uh, you'll, have a low uh, you'll have a low ferritin. You will have a low percentage of transferrin saturation. You may also have uh, low normal or low RBCs. So uh, whereas if it is a B12 or folate deficiency, there are different lab markers from these, just to keep it brief. And I, I know you said we should probably do another show on this, but yeah, so, so that, so it, it becomes important to differentiate. Now, as far as my book goes, uh, I'm hoping for the book to be, I'm, I think the book should be out by November, December, looking at how things are going. And it's going to be the complete BioNexus. The, the name of the book is BioNexus Approach to Mold Biotoxin Illness, a step-by-step -step guide to a plant-based approach to CIRS, or Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome. We have the foreword, which was done by uh, Dr. Scott McMahon. We also have Dr. Shoemaker in there. And that'll be really, really valuable information. I know that uh, you have natural uh, ways of working with the um, co-infections, and I greatly appreciate you sharing that with people who are in my active membership because I know that you know that they need the guidance to, to work with it. And, um, and, and I'm grateful because I know how important it is and these plant-based things that you have discovered in, in your many years because you recovered your own son from uh, from the symptoms of autism that were based from the the mold and lime bio the mold the the lime and the mold biotoxins as well and I'll link to that show as well which is um, which is uh, with her son Brian who is now recovered uh, from his symptoms and he shares his his fabulous story so thank you so much for all that you've done and all of your research and all that you have to share with us and we all look forward to your book coming out in uh, in a, in the very near future and you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Thank you so much for being here and stay tuned with us next week. We'll be back with another great